Welcome back to Vulcan. Hello, the Incomparables Star Trek Discovery Flashcast. I am your host, Scott McNulty, joined, as always, well, mostly, as always, with uh, Jason Snell. Jason, Hello. Hello. We're here for uh, a short trek. A short, a short trek. A short trek, uh, which is, I guess, what they're calling webisodes that <laughs> yeah. aren't on the web anymore. I don't know. Webisodes you have to pay for and have well, maybe a bigger budget... Maybe I don't they know. get to use they get to use the fancy sets and stuff, and yes. they get to use the real actors. That's that's a step up from some webisodes that are like it, not on the sets and not with the actual actors. I don't know. It is. It does feel these short treks are um, to their credit. They they are generating these fifteen minute long, like four of them. So it's basically like they added an episode to their schedule, and uh, they're doing it to get people to subscribe to cbs all access for several months before the show is back on so that's right. clever and they're coming out with one a month until yes. uh, the premiere of uh, discovery star trek discovery uh the first one is what we're going to discuss because yes. uh, the second one isn't out until next month in november uh runaway runaway is, uh, uh, tilly meets an alien yeah, uh, yeah, Tilly. This is our Tilly episode. Tilly meets an alien, and you've just <laughs> described two thirds of the entire cast of this episode. <laughs> That's true. Uh, and and there's Tilly's mom. Mm-hmm. She's a hologram, a but, but it's a real person who's got lines. And then that's it. There's some uh, crew people who don't talk and the, the computer. computer. Yeah, replicator uh, humor. Oh yeah, there's a lot of uh, the, whoever does the computer voice got to got to read all of the foods as yes, a, lot the of, a lot of chicken I snacks, snacks, uh, snacks, snacks, snacks. snacks. That, I think that was snacks. my favorite part of uh, just the computer saying snacks over and over again. <laughs> I also thought that the computer was a little judgy uh, when Tilly ordered that espresso. So I think last season we saw Tilly get judged by the by the. Uh, food dispenser too i think that that is a running gag now where tilly wants what she wants and the and the food dispenser was it it was tilly or maybe it was burnham but i thought it was tilly that gets judged by the food dispenser and in this case it's like whoa that's a lot of caffeine lady and she's like i need it to live give it to me now which i liked There's, there's probably some kind of you know starfleet recommended nutritional guidelines that the computer must enforce yeah yeah in Lightly. fact my favorite my favorite thing in this whole uh, 15 minute uh webisode is the stuff where tilly is just being tilly because that i i think she is delightful i think mary wiseman does a really good job i like the idea that she's kind of coming to her own but she's also you know she struggles she's she's a she's the rare starfleet officer who um you see their ambition and also their self-doubt and i mm-hmm. enjoy that combination in her Yes, this is what I often uh, bring up Lieutenant Barkley, because he mm. is an example of a very similar kind of trait, where he is uh, clearly very competent, but also racked with doubt. And, uh, well, he has neuroses as well. Uh, I don't know if Tilly is quite as... Uh, she just needs her coffee, man. <laughs> she just needs some caffeine, and she can do anything. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and her mom, of course. And then, like, so her hologram conversation with her mom, there's this whole, like, oh. first off, this is why you don't do a hologram conversation with your mom, <laughs> is she walks around your your apartment or your cabin, in this case, right. and, like, looks at the table and is like, wow, that's a lot of empty coffee cups on the table. Maybe you're, and it's like, mom, mm, I don't want to hear <laughs> about it. And, like, yeah, don't talk to the hologram. Put her on that's a screen right. where she can't see how much coffee you've been drinking, Tilly. Come 
come on. <laughs> Just mute your camera, Tilly. Come on. This yeah, is that's right. Sorry, video Mom, conferencing I'm in some weird part of space where we can only do audio. It's the Skype uh, <laughs> system. That's right. Uh, it, it is Skype 9. It's taken Microsoft a long time to get to 9. Yeah, well. <laughs> They're still working out some bugs. Uh, that's a podcast uh, podcast joke. Podcast joke, yeah. Enjoy, everyone. <laughs> so this, I, I, I enjoy the fact that they're doing these short tricks. I like them. I like Tilly a lot. Um, I don't know if, as a, like, a little glimpse into Tilly as a character, I think it's worth watching. But as a story unto itself, it's a bit lackluster. Yeah, I, so I've been, I, I watched it a couple of times and I've been thinking about it. And yeah, it is, I don't know what it is about runtime where the, this is something that is sort of like, I don't know, there's a big idea here, mm-hmm. but there are so many omissions and elisions and just kind of like simplifications that happen in this story in order to one in order to tell it in 15 minutes and two to have no other cast members on (laughs) it that makes it super weird and i watching it the second time i was thinking how I was struck how normally, you know, we, we you watch an episode of anything and you get a little, maybe some headcanon possibilities where you're like, well, you know, I see why they had to take that out, but we can assume that this happened on all that. And I felt like with this story, it, it's all headcanon. Like, <laughs> there, it, it's two characters having a conversation um, over, you know, in a room full of food that's been spewed out all over the floor and then mm-hmm. in, in a couple other rooms after that. And everything else we basically we're told or we need to kind of fill in the blanks and that's okay to a point but it does like really feel like uh you can see all the limitations of the budget and the runtime here that i i think because i think when you think about it it holds together better but as a member of the audience you have to do a huge amount of the storytelling work yourself because they just don't have the time or the money to do it for you yeah, they're like, uh, we'll, we'll sketch it out. You can fill it in yourself. It's fine. Because like, we this trust is, you. This is a story of a princess who is on a planet that's full of dilithium, and she is not really interested in doing princessy things. She's interested in being down in the caves with the dilithium. And there's obviously this whole thing about there's a culture, and they believe that they were born with their planet, and therefore their planet is their twin, which is a little bit weird. But weird. again, like it's like a Star Trek culture, and we could have learned mm. that, and it would have been interesting. But instead, she just says it a couple. <laughs> of times i'm like all right uh so, so that your mother was also the twin your your grandma was also a twin because you're everybody's a twin you're you're right but she sort of says it like it's her twin but it's like yeah well, that I, again like i can i can take that it, it might have been better if i had seen that but I, I can fill in the blanks there and that she was down there doing like science stuff and she was more science oriented <laughs> uh, obviously something happened to maybe even something political where as they were uh doing first contact and connecting with the federation and the value of their uh, dilithium and all of that is like accelerating everything her family dies right her mother dies her brother yeah. dies There's, everybody's dead and she runs away i mean for all we know there was intrigue there um and and uh there are bad people who are steering the the planet in the wrong way and she yeah. wants to do it but we don't really know because she's just like i didn't even know until the second time i didn't even get like why she would be the queen if her brother's the king because uh, is that a but then dead. she says he's dead right so the second time through i'm like oh okay well that makes more sense but again it's just i don't know it's just all there like well that's an interesting story you didn't tell <laughs> and she just she does briefly throw off that oh you know there are greedy people on my planet who want to ruin everything and 
which also once again leads me to the question of how does the economy work in in the future? The Federation doesn't have any money, but they need dilithium. So what do they do? Trade. What, what's happening? I guess. I guess, I guess I trade wars are easy to win, Scott. So it should be okay. <laughs> That's true. For them They're particularly to get that dilithium, easy to win if you can just convert endless energy into matter so yeah it's true i, I mean you obviously uh, can't replicate dilithium or this wouldn't be a problem so there's that, there's something there that they're that they're but, trading and then the added layer is uh she creates a recrystallization chamber uh which is a, a thing that shows up later in star trek so what assumes she's the inventor of, of her yeah yeah yeah, yeah so that's a little thing so it's that that yeah uh, so that i feel like there's a lot that's kind of o- omitted there that makes it What's on screen is okay. They have a conversation and all that, but it's like a lot of downloading has to go on and a lot of omission. And then the other part of this that I thought was really bizarre is it's it's played up to a certain point as there's, uh-oh, an alien has escaped. And it, like, makes noises and, and right. is all invisible, like pre- the predator or something like mm-hmm. that. And then when it becomes visible, it's just a teenager, at which point all <laughs> basically all of her animalistic fake outs for the audience sake uh cease more away. or less and yeah, that that felt well, like like a ripoff to me <laughs> well, i would totally rather have her. seen her be a person with with some weird alien powers sneaking aboard as a stowaway than than this sort of cheap kind of uh alien monster fake out that that bugged right. me and because there's know. like um uh, uh maybe five seconds where you think oh no this this thing is going to attack tilly and then it's like oh no tilly gives her ice cream uh and then they can't understand each other for maybe 30 seconds of course what's good they, they have a very limited time to tell the story so they can't explore this but then you know tilly just whips out her tricorder and the universal translator suddenly is working everywhere uh and they can understand each other perfectly sure uh because why not? Why why not? I just I why didn't I, I didn't like that they wanted to use the um, alien monster loose on the ship trope to get you interested, and then in with a hand wave, they're like, "Oh, it's actually just a teenager. She's fine, and she's royalty too." And, so and, maybe that's yeah. what they're saying. It's a it's a scathing. Uh, commentary on royal families it could be it could be i do love again i think that the the tilly is must be a great character to write for because the dialogue that she has there is that moment where uh the teenager being a teenager not just an alien but a teenager is like uh you know my name is shut up your stupid face because i'm a grumpy teenager and tilly her response is something like yeah did you build a replicator when you were a kid to make ice cream i don't think so because you're a dummy who never even had ice cream until 30 seconds ago with your stupid face and then the teenager's like okay you speak my language i get you it's great that part like the dialogue i i just tilly they're there that's a good character that's a, she's yeah. a very fun character i i enjoy all that dialogue and the reason that i enjoy this is because of Tilly. If if there if this was a different character, well, the story wouldn't have made sense as a different character. Because, uh, but uh, but no, I, no, I seriously. Am... If it was Ensign So and So, who is a low paid non cast member actor on the Discovery, f- doing a webisode, and they have like various boring adventures, it would not. It would be a a, a flop, right? It's because mm-hmm. it's Tilly. I, it's Tilly. I, I I agree with you a hundred percent on that. That like because they could totally could have done that, right? In a lower budgeted version of this, they don't. They can't. Afford afford any of the regular ones or maybe it's like the guy who's on the bridge who we oh, never yeah. who, who we don't know his name but he's always on the bridge there like it's his adventures and like i don't know that guy what why is that that guy so that instead guy. it's tilly and that helps a it's lot. Tilly. and she's great and 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 i think that 
when I first watched this, I was kind of annoyed that because Tilly is they make a big deal about her studying the command uh, training thing and her mother disapproves of it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't annoyed by that, but I was annoyed by the fact that Tilly is encounters this alien stowaway who she doesn't report to anybody uh, because then, nobody is available in the budget. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then she finds out that there's this, you know, global uh, or galaxy wide APB for her and she doesn't. Don't, do anything no. about that. Um, but I did think, on second viewing, I thought, well, that's actually clever because Tilly, we are watching Tilly's journey into becoming the kind of Starfleet officer who would say, hey, wait a second, maybe I should report you to somebody, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to just being like, well, you're a kid, I will somehow transport you from the discovery. Let's not think about how that works. Again, there's a mission there. I assume that she finally reports it to some whoever is in the captain chair at this point, and they say, oh, well, we'll take her back there and all that, and we just don't see any of that. I Nor guess. is there a transporter chief waiting to beam her out, because again, we can't afford more actors here. Um, it's I, I it's would, fifth shift, so everybody's I, off. Yeah, I would like to have seen what I wanted, honestly, was a little bit more of a nod toward the fact that there's nobody here. I would have liked her to be like, I got to tell my, I got to tell Michael, I got to tell Michael, uh, you know, computer, mm-hmm. tell me where, uh, where Lieutenant Burnham is, and have the computer be like, she's on an away mission right now with the captain and Saru, and uh, they told me and- not to let you call them. And she's <laughs> like, God, oh, I got to, I got to do this myself. I kind of would have liked something like that, like a reason why. Mm-hmm. I know why, but a. a reason of like uh why no why she has to solve this herself a story based reason as opposed to well we know you can't afford all these people in this 15 minutes exactly because honestly if you're doing an episode that's set on a ship full of people and there are no people it's weird right like if this had been if this had been you know tilly's adventure when she was back on earth in between you know in during that last episode of discovery from the first season when they all go back to earth before the, the little cliffhanger at the end with the enterprise like then it could have been like oh yeah tilly had this little adventure or tilly is in a an outpost somewhere in space and she has a little adventure or something but because she's on the discovery that is a, a harder sell i i think because we all you know it's a place where there's supposed to be lots of people and she's supposed to have support and there's no science fictional reason given for her to be cut off she's just like you know it's late <laughs> i do love the gag where the people come in uh, and the mess hall is a disaster, and she's like, well, "Rabbit, whatever, run, get out!" <laughs> like I, that, again, it's good, but those characters don't say anything because they no, are they extras. <laughs> they they look at each other and then uh, mm-hmm. cut away. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and then we're off to the races, and that's. I mean, there's not much else to talk about in here. I mean, it has yeah. its moments. They're all character based. Uh, Tilly's great. Uh, I imagine we will never see these this alien race no, again. No, so. I, I would think I would think that this has no connection with anything, which is I'm fine with, right? Like I, I I actually might think less of this if it was all just like a vaguely seated thing where there'll be a mention, you know, one of those like added content things where they mm-hmm. mention it in passing in season two, and you're like, aha, well that's the reference to the webisode, and it doesn't matter anyway, but they throw it in there. I kind of would rather these be little short stories. That the there's a little trailer for the next one, and without going into yes. the details about what the next one was the next one looks like it has a premise that actually fits the idea that there is not a lot of cast it's somebody waking up and like d- doesn't know where they In are and a deserted ship and there's nobody around i'm like yes there we go right that makes a little more sense here so i don't and know written by michael chabon so hmm. could be 
good. I, 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 I enjoy his novels. <laughs> yes, I don't know if he could write I, I uh, a Star Trek. Know episode, about his but Star we'll Trek shorts, but we'll, we, we we will find out. But anyway, it's mm-hmm. nice to see. It's nice to see that the the Discovery sets and the and they have a, there's an opening shot of the Discovery that's very pretty where you see the back mm-hmm. of the ship with a registry number as they show the the kind of like mm-hmm. a loading bay. The mm-hmm. that was their big special effect shot is basically probably a stock shot that they will use again and again of going into the shuttle bay. But it was nice to see that that was that it's just you know it, it's been a little while since we were watching Discovery so it, it it was nice to to know that they're working on this stuff and that there's going to be a new season as we found out in the middle of january that's right and this is an excellent segue jason to briefly talk about uh you're a pro at this to briefly talk about the recently released season two trailer that was released at new york comic-con did you did you watch the trailer i i watched it i downloaded it onto my desktop so i could view it frame by frame and see all the all how they've revealed everything there is to know about that's not true they know everybody (laughs) does that so it's a you know there's there's difference it's not as focused on the first trailer was really focused i think on christopher pike and the enterprise because that's Mm -hmm. sort of where our headspace was and this one is seems to very much more be setting up like what the scope and the plot of season two are and it's certainly showing the differences like there's a new captain in town captain pike is the starfleet captain that you're used to it starts off with you know starfleet is a promise and you're like yes this is yes. this is the captain that we need after none of these lorca the first season. That's right. mirror lorca shenanigans none of that the captain pike is he's uh he i like the cut of his jib uh and, and yeah and so we see there's apparently some red angels that are going to show up yeah. i don't know what those that the means, red but. angel was actually in the first trailer too it's that thing that and i noticed at the time it seemed super weird and that that there was something going on there where burnham is like in flames somewhere in a spacesuit mm-hmm. and she sees this thing that is is out of focus um and then it turns out that yeah that that spock as a child was drawing this thing so there's definitely this idea that there's a a connection between spock and whatever these mysterious seven red signals and this strange you know red angel creature that burnham also sees that there's a you know there's a kind of weird cosmic mystery there there's lots of fires there's lots of explosions because they want to show like that there's action uh we get we get i thought this was good they don't shy away from Michelle Yeoh at all. They they're like, yep, uh, 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 Emperor Georgiou is in it. She's in it with her little uh, secret Starfleet operations badge, and like, she's in it. <laughs> like, let's she, not even deny it. Yeah, and she's doing it, and she's she's uh, having fun. Nobody knows that. Well, a couple people know that she is a, a mirror universe person, but Captain Pike certainly doesn't. So, uh, one assumes. Well, I I don't know. Like, what is that on a need to know basis or 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 what? Uh, there I, there are lots of Klingons in this. Yes, uh, and they're there quick are, cuts, but they all have hair. They do. They look more like the Klingons that we hmm. know and love. Uh, and it's weird that it, just adding hair makes them look more. I didn't even notice, to be honest, that the Klingons in the previous season didn't have hair until they showed these Klingons. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what's they, going on. Now they look like Klingons. And I, I read somewhere that basically their, their in-universe explanation is that, at, it, you know, in a time of this this holy war or whatever they were doing, Klingon warriors all shave their heads or something like that. I'm like, okay, sure. Okay. It's Star Trek. I, I don't care. Laurel has, has some hair in, in her shot. Um, and I was excited to see a, a, a very familiar Klingon cruiser briefly. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, that was really nice. I, I like um, ships. Yeah, I do too. Well, and it, it was all weird and glowy and stuff. And I, I was reminded actually of Star Trek: The Motion Picture, right, where that, mm-hmm. where that Klingon ship gets, uh, gets 
disassembled and it's all weird and glowy like that that's the best part of star trek the motion pictures it, it really the first, is like three minutes of that movie yeah it's uh, great the music's great the klingons are great oh um we get our first look at number one in this too yes speaking of great i mean i am uh shocked at how much rebecca remain i want to yep. call Re- rebecca remain stamos but nope. that's not her name anymore uh looks like uh major barrett it's it's crazy yeah i you know i pick I picture Rebecca Romaine from like the X-Men movies and stuff like that. But um, obviously number one with the dark hair and from the cage. And mm-hmm. so we, we see her wearing the, you know, the gold shirt and, uh, and the dark hair and she's giving, she's dispensing a little bit of advice uh, seemingly on the discovery. Cause everybody else is wearing discovery uniforms to Pike. Uh, but that's, that's cool. I, I get the sense that this season structure, at least the implication here is this season structure is that Pike has to come aboard discovery, which doesn't have a captain to go on this emergency mission and that we're going to keep on kind of playing tag with the enterprise and that number one is presumably in charge of the enterprise in his absence. And so the enterprise may come and go and they'll get information from them while Pike is on discovery. And that, that seems to be sort of the structure of, of this season. Uh, which I'm 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 fine with. I, I think I think it's kind of fun that we have a Star Trek show. We already knew that the main character of Discovery was not a captain, but I think it's kind of fun that 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 opens the captain's chair. And they didn't like just put Burnham in the captain's chair. It would the way the story is being told, it kind of would strain credulity to the breaking <laughs> point that 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 there's literally you know there's nobody else who could be the captain, and like five people go <clears throat> actually. <laughs> Well, yes. <laughs> yeah, so so instead we get this sort of like little sampler platter of uh, captains like we got Lorca, he was wacky, now let's do Pike for a while and yeah. there could be someone else and like it's that's cuz that's not the point. He's not the star of the show. He's not the main character. He's the captain, but he's probably passing through, going back to his ship eventually and we get to see him interact with our uh our, our our pals on the discovery i i like i kind of like it it's very different from any other star trek show but i kind of like it i do as well and that reminds me of a scene where saru is telling uh, pike to hold on a second which i don't know what's happening in it but i just found it very amusing <laughs> yeah we also see saru in a uh, sick in bed and he we get to see like the whole like saru bo- full body paint thing where he's all mm-hmm. long and and uh and uh tree-like and whatever he is <laughs> as a he's as on a, yeah, and is he on, like, I, I was a little worried because it, it looked initially, yeah, he's sleeping on, like, a bed of, like, leaves and stuff. And I was okay. concerned that knowing what we know about the other, uh, about the mirror universe is like, oh, no, I hope he's not an entree. <laughs> you put him, a on a, lettuce. put him on some lettuce. It's like, this is bad, Saru. We got to get you out of here. They're going to eat you. you learned your lesson? Georgia is going to eat you if we, if, um, yeah, but. And of course, yeah. I think the big reveal Yes. This this trailer, without a doubt, is spoiler alerts for someone who has not watched this trailer. Uh, Spock is at the end, uh, and he's talking about you know seeing the 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 red angel when at childhood, and then the big reveal of uh, Ethan Peck yeah. as uh, Beardy Spock. Beardy Spock, and I know a lot of people will be like, "Oh, it's like the Mirror Universe Spock." You see, I, I, what I like when I read this, uh, the way I read this when I saw the trailer is. Um, that this is deep into the Star Trek lore because what this is saying is that like in Star Trek, the motion picture to get back to that, like when Spock goes off and does Colinar and all of that, and then like mm-hmm. has his whole kind of like uh Vulcan journey then um, that this is not the first time that Spock is kind of like 
dropped out and gone off on a strange kind of uh, not emotional journey, but a philosophical journey of some kind. And when we see him here, he's all scraggly and being brought in on a stretcher. And uh, I think, I, I mean, I, I bought it because I thought like, oh, you know, this is this is something we've seen Spock do something similar to this before. And as a younger man, if he had this kind of disturbing thing happen to him, you know, maybe... Maybe he would do the same thing that he does later when he in Star Trek the Motion Picture. So for for some reason I just kind of was thinking about the motion picture with that Klingon shot too, and thinking about mm-hmm. Spock's sort of history. And there are these big gaps in his history that we don't know anything about. So in, apparently, the, the you know this is how we're going to see Spock for the first time is he's kind of uh, he's kind of been off in the wild for a while, and he's he's all beardy and uh, disturbed and. <laughs> That's okay. I'm looking for answers, and I think I think that as I was watching this trailer, I I thought about how much I enjoy the fact that these characters Spock, Kirk, McCoy have transcended the original actors mm-hmm. and now have become roles that other people can take and do interpretations of. And I know that for some people that annoys them, but for me, I think it makes me excited to see this because it means that we can see these characters in a more a variety of situations and for much longer, obviously, right? Because, you know, Leonard Nimoy is dead, so we're not going to see him doing any new Spocks. Uh, and and J.J. Uh, Abrams' movies showed us that other people can do these right. characters uh, justice. And I think that Ethan Peck, I'm unfamiliar with the vast majority of Ethan Peck's work, uh, but I think that he got the voice right in in this, and he certainly looks like Spock to me. So, yeah, I'm yeah, optimistic. I think it's I think it's really good. Um, I liked there was an interview with I think it was J.J. Abrams talking about it might have been one of the producers. It could, might have even been one of the producers who's working on this now, but um, Kurtzman maybe um, that they tried to approach Star Trek as if it were Shakespeare. <laughs> Not in the original Klingon, but the idea that these are iconic parts that are going to go on and be talked about and thought about for, for, you know, centuries. And of course, other actors are going to play them. Nobody had done it yet, but of course it's going to happen. So let's just go ahead. And, and the, um, and people can have their favorites and people can talk about how the different interpretations of the characters. That's great. But like we broke the seal on them and now we can have these other actors playing them. And so here we are with a, a third kind of core leaving aside sort of a, a trivia question, kind of Spock's a third core adult doing a lot of stuff, Spock. Uh, and he'll have a different interpretation, but it's also from a different part of Spock's life, which I think is fine. Um, Pike is the same way I feel about that. Like, we're going to get a lot of time with Christopher Pike. That's a character that, you know, was supposed to be the captain of the Enterprise. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, when they did the second pilot, Jeffrey Hunter wasn't available, slash didn't want to do it, slash wanted more money. And <laughs> they got William Shatner instead, and the rest was history. And then and then they wanted to save a lot of money and reuse the pilot, so they wrote The Menagerie. But, um, you know, but that character was a captain of the Enterprise who worked with Spock. And always intriguing so jj abrams used him and and now discovery season two is using him and i uh, same thing it's like that's great because um bruce greenwood in the first two star trek movies by uh, jj abrams uh was great i really liked his pike and is his pike jeffrey hunter's pike no but um you know you got the sense that here too is a captain of the enterprise and that's a that's kind of a cool character and so seeing a a third version of christopher pike in this i'm also looking forward to it i also like the idea that star trek discovery i mean 
they they set uh, Brian Fuller set this in pre original series territory, and we all have to live with that. Like that, they have to like step lightly on the canon. Um, and it's not my favorite decision because it does mean that you can't make a bold storytelling decision because you have to step so lightly on the canon. But that mm-hmm. said, it does let you do this right, which is touch on characters and situations you've seen on Star Trek, but not but it's not it's not the original star trek it gets to be its own thing and still have this kind of like interaction and reinterpretation of it and and um Mm -hmm. i like that they i don't think they could get away with this if it was the five-year mission original series enterprise but because it's the pike enterprise from five or ten years earlier they can get away with it and i i think it's um it's fun because you can play with some of these toys like pike and spock without having to um, have it totally overwhelm your show i hope that's true and it gives as the writers i'm sure they have uh, they can use a whole bunch of shorthand because everyone they can be pretty much assured that everyone who's watching this knows who spock is at the very least they may not right. know who, who pike is so they can that saves them a lot of effort and then they can also so you have all these expectations and assumptions with spock which they then can play around with that as well uh and and subvert your expectations with what spock should be uh to either uh, delight or anger we'll see but right uh, well we'll find out and there's real spock and there's idealized spock too and i think that we'll see yeah. that we'll see that too we saw some of that with uh jj abrams movies and we'll see it again like there are a lot of people who have this um there was that great essay about captain kirk and how everybody believes like captain kirk was this lothario and if you look back he was actually a really sensitive guy who <laughs> had his heart broken many times because he, just he fell in love, he fell in love really fast yeah but he was super like vulnerable and and open to that and and not at all what we've sort of simplified his character to be i think spock is like that too and i think people who might get upset by sort of wide-eyed beardy um i saw this unusual thing and i'm trying to figure it out spock that we may see in discovery here are probably forgetting spock with his little harp playing with the hippies <laughs> the space hippies and spock who went on a walkabout uh, quit mm-hmm. starfleet and went on a walkabout to cleanse his emotions in star trek the motion picture like spock is spock's got a lot of layers that i think maybe get uh forgotten about and get simplified over time so if uh, discovery plays into kind of the deeper kind of like catalog of 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 spock's character i think that's great i love i love that like another side of this character that we've seen for 50 years and i heard some rumblings uh that some people were annoyed that spock is this uh handsome uh, you know actor (laughs) who's known for uh his his teen dramas and how dare they try to make spock sexy and that completely uh Um, forgets the fact that (laughs) spock was the total sex symbol of uh the original the original series oh my god yeah like to the point where william shatner got really angry that everybody was talking about spock and all the fan mail was coming for spock and it was from kids and it was from women uh yeah yeah they they do they think spock is like doctor who and even then they're wrong right but but the in the doctor who fandom it's very similar like oh the doctor is is uh you know never never is romantically linked or anything like that and it's like "Mm, no that's not really true (laughs) and uh spock you know spock was always a sex symbol and also in episodes would be was like catnip for the ladies so it's true so spock has always been sexy so live with it people yeah who are annoyed by that deal with it deal that's right as the kids say deal with it yeah Uh, so does this trailer jason leave you excited to see season two uh it does 
I I have to admit the the, the trailer leads so hard on the story arc thing with the seven whatevers and Spock mm-hmm. that I had that moment where I'm like saying to myself, are we going to, is, is this what we're going to do? Are we going to have something that's structurally like the first season? Because I would actually kind of like if they did, uh, you know, if they backed off the, the story arc a little bit. And so you had episodes that felt like a little more episodic, even while telling the bigger story, because a lot of those Discovery first season episodes just blurred together. There's the Harry Mudd time loop one, which doesn't, but so many of them, you know, either blend together into one or into little blocks of story, like the mirror, mm-hmm. mirror part and the Klingon war part and the first part. Like, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about it. I, I, um, I enjoyed the first season, so I'm looking forward to the second. I hope that with all of the different kind of like behind the scenes tumult that they've had, uh, it, you know, they had that the first season, but they've also had a, a showrunner change in the second season. Um, I hope that it's a smoother ride because they've done this before, that that it settles mm-hmm. down a little bit. Uh, I don't know. Are you enthusiastic about this, having seen the trailer? Uh, I am. I, I echo your your trepidations, uh, but I think that uh, I'm excited. I'm always excited to see new Star Trek. I do hope that this because the first season felt like it was two seasons that were slammed together yeah. into one. Uh, so I hope they don't do that again because there was clearly there was the let's do the Klingon stuff, and then at some point they turn to well let's do the mirror mirror stuff and uh i didn't think that transition was as smooth as perhaps it should have been i agree uh and they didn't give i don't think they gave enough time to either of those stories so i felt like it was a little short change so hopefully they have a clear story it seems for season two hopefully it will be the whole season but i do hope uh as as you said that there are a couple of standalone episodes uh, that you know it can give some other characters some time to shine well uh, the idea that there are these seven whatevers that they have to investigate makes me feel like oh well that that could be a structure that you hang the season on that they have to go investigate them one by one and that they will learn things but also get in trouble and have adventures on that journey um, right. and it might not be so much as like literally in every episode they go to one of them but like that as a as a way to tell like little stories while fulfilling kind of a bigger arc I would be excited by that. The fact, though, that we also see uh, Giorgio and we see uh, various angry Klingons and things like that, (laughs) it does give me a little trepidation of like, did you learn from the weak parts of last season or not? And I just, I don't know. I don't know because that, that they did have a showrunner change and a lot of the same component parts are there. Like, cause they could have been like, okay, we did the Klingons. We're not going back there, but they're like, nope, we're going to have them <laughs> too. Klingons. All right. Okay. And part of it, I understand that the people who are making this are Star Trek fans, like hardcore Star Trek fans. And they just kind of want to put as much, they want to make it as Star Trekky as they can so they want to put all this star trek stuff in it uh which i appreciate but then i think it also can lead to some overblown uh stories or overloaded i should say stories not overblown that then are compressed so you could fit as many klingons as possible in here uh and and you you end up with too many klingons frankly oh too many klingons that is my that is my uh, least favorite uh nbc sitcom (laughs) 
And hopefully, this is my other hope. I don't know if we saw any Klingon speaking in this trailer, but I do hope that they have given up on the subtitles for the Klingons and the Klingons will just be speaking English. Yeah, or it'll be like how Worf always did it, which is exclamations and things that would be in Klingon, but really just like for our benefit, it's in English, please. Thank you. Please. Yes. And, and, And then subtitled in whatever language people want it to be subtitled in. Yes. Uh, well, I think I think we've done our jobs here. We've talked about the short track. We've talked about the trailer. Yes. Uh, we're both excited to see season two. Vulcan Hello will be back when... Well, we'll be back next month to talk about the next short track. But we will also... We're going to cover all the short tracks. And, of course, we'll be back... January 17th. About, dun, dun, that's right. Dun. To talk about the season premiere of Star Trek Discovery. Ooh, that's exciting. It is exciting. Until then, Jason... You have been and always will be, my friend. Kapla! <laughs> <laughs>